My name is Valerie Payne, and this is the podcast Finding Unity. I started this podcast because of a personal experience that helped me to see the need for unity in our society right now. I hope that you will come along with me on my quest to find unity as we seek understanding, connection, healing, and love. Hi, this is Valerie Payne, and you're listening to another episode of Finding Unity. And today I have Shelly Schofield on. Do you want to say hi really quick, Shelly? Hi. And we are talking, this episode is a little different because we're talking about something that we both experience and have gone through. Our experiences are different, um, but we're both kind of in a similar stage. So, um, and that is not being married as a old person. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) We're young. But older, I guess, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So first, Shelly, do you want to just talk a little bit about your background, where you're fun? I know you've traveled a lot and lived in different places. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk a little bit about that and what you do professionally? Yeah. So um, I grew up in Provo, went to Provo High, went to BYU and studied recreation management and youth leadership. And while I was doing that, I did a study abroad in New Zealand with that program, which was amazing. Um, later, right before I graduated, I served a mission in Peru, which is how we know each other. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> That's how we know each other. We were never companions, but right. just knew each other and had a love for Harry Potter. Do you remember that? The seventh <laughs> book came out when we um, were on our mission? Yes. No, I think I read the seventh book like you a did? week before I left on my mission. I'm so jealous. I had yeah. to wait, but it's okay. Good things are worth waiting for, yeah. which we will talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I served a mission, came home and finished my degree. And then I worked in event planning for a few years, and then um, I decided that I was going to move to Scotland and do a study, or sorry, not a study abroad, a graduate degree in marketing, and now I'm back, and I'm working in marketing for a software company in American Fork called Brainstorm. Cool. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so we're just going to dive into to the issue because I know we both have a lot we want to share. As I mentioned, I don't typically share a whole, I mean, I share my perspective sometimes, but I'm going to share more about my experience too as Shelly shares hers, and we're just going to kind of have a dialogue here and see how it goes. So we're just going to dive in, and I was wondering <laughs> if you could talk about your experience not being, being married at this stage of life and what some challenges have been for you. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this question and it's definitely changed when you get past a certain amount of time not having progressed into a stage you were hoping for. I think that your approach to it changes. So I would say I think it was it's harder now, but it's also much easier now than it was before. I think in your mid-20s, you're kind of at that age where you're realizing that things didn't really work out the way you were expecting and you don't really know how to cope with that. And now that I'm past that age, I feel like I've found ways to fulfill my life that don't have marriage as a part of it, which is like something I never suspected I'd have to learn to do. But I think um, it's it has a lot of benefits and it has a lot of challenges, but I think that that goes for anybody in life. That's how it goes. Um, I want to say that it's really fulfilling to have had these single years. I honestly think that if I do get the chance to get married, I will have to have a grieving period 
for this time that I've had to be single because I've grown so much. I've learned so much. And sometimes I look at my friends. I have tons of friends who are married and I'm close to who for, I mean, they're learning on their own and they're growing, of course, because having a family is hard and being married can be challenging too. But there's something unique about having such an extended period of time to be single when you get to just focus on yourself and you get to like just become awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so there's a lot of cool stuff, but I would say one of the biggest challenges is dealing with the loneliness and dealing with the heartbreak. I think there's a lot of heartbreak in every day realizing that what you were hoping for didn't happen and the older you get, the more real it becomes that it might not happen at all and having to reconcile your life in that way, which can be really challenging. Mm -hmm. You know, I realized we didn't tell people what our age is. Maybe we should just for this dialogue so people understand and say, oh, they're young. They don't know anything yet. Or, oh, they're really old. I'm so grateful (laughs) for them. (laughs) So I, Valerie, I'm 36. Yeah, I'm 35. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're about the same age. Um, But yeah, I love what you hit on there with um, that the the loneliness aspect, but also really having a lot of time for ourself. I think that's what's tricky is I know for myself, I've definitely become very um, used to being selfish. It's easy to just think about myself and to just worry about myself. And then actually COVID made it worse because then I was really (laughs) like, this is great. I can like just be by myself and whatever. But then it's made it harder coming back to, to things because when I come home, I'm like, man, I wish I could come home and talk to someone about what happened or have someone to hold me. I think that's the hardest thing is not having like that physical touch and someone to just hold you at the end of the day. Yeah. Just like I'm like you said, I really love to travel. I love to be out and about. And sometimes I'm like, it would be so awesome if I just had like a permanent buddy that would always be going with me. Like it would be so awesome to just like hop in the car on the weekend and be like, let's go somewhere. But as a single person, you have to coordinate your schedules with all your other single friends and figure out a time. It's just like a lot of coordination. And I'm like, oh, I mean, this is kind of a dumb thing, but it matters a lot to me. Like, wouldn't it be so awesome if we could just like get in the car and go somewhere because we have our person, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I almost wonder if people who are listening who have a husband or a wife, depending on who they're, you know, who's listening, I wonder if they're like, yeah, well, guess what? I married and that still doesn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, when kids are put into the equation, I get it. It changes. But those like two or three years of just like being together, I actually feel like I will never do that because if I ever do get married, it's going to be like uh, babies now or never. (laughs) So I think that that dream is like gone, you know, unless I end up being infertile, (laughs) which is a whole other thing. Yeah, that's another challenge that you have to think about, like for sure, especially as a woman, you know, that's not something that men necessarily have to think about depending on their circumstance. Maybe they do. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, it's just the loneliness, it can be hard. I think that I've learned over time that some some parts of being alone can actually be really productive, but other parts is just like you have to find ways to get yourself out of the spiraling down. Sometimes when you're alone too long, you're too alone with your thoughts and that can get you to some dark places. Yeah. (laughs) 
So you learn to be productive or you just sit in the dark and I would rather not do that. And something else going along that thought that I've thought of is that when you're with a partner, when you're when you have a spouse, you push each other to grow. And I people use that phrase a lot and I used to think it meant things like, "Oh man, you don't like how they squeeze the toothpaste and you have to cope with it. That helps you grow." <laughs> yeah. But I was thinking about it, no, it like pushes you to reach your potential more. So yeah. like I think, you know, when you're married, you want to support your spouse and their dreams. And sometimes they don't have the motivation to get there themselves for whatever reason. Or they have a motivation, but it's like way down the line, like, oh, in 10 years. And I feel like when you have a supportive spouse, you help each other and push each other, which is why I think a lot of people um, are successful sometimes is because they have someone to push them in a positive way. Yeah, I think about that sometimes too, especially recently. I used to power through, like when I was maybe late 20s, I was like, I am i don't care if I'm afraid. I don't care if it's hard. I just like decided that I was just going to like push through and make stuff happen, which did yield a lot of great things. But I'm kind of burnt myself out of that. And now it would be so nice to just have somebody to support me, to come home at the end of the day and be like, this was really hard at work today. Yeah. And I'd love for ha- to like say that to someone and have them be able to help ground me again. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've learned to do some of that for myself. And I've also learned to find people who I trust. Like there's, I have a friend at work who I recently realized I do that with. I'll go into his office and be like, this is dumb and like start and he'll be really he's a really nice guy and Mm -hmm. he'll like help me and listen to me and even like we'll go on you know one-on-ones I don't know if that term people know that in like a business world one-on-one is just a meeting with one and one (laughs) and so we'll go on a walk for our one-on-one and he'll just ask me how I'm doing and that really makes a huge difference because I don't come home to that Mm -hmm. and I think when you have roommates Sometimes that relationship develops, but I currently live alone, which is a new thing, a whole other thing to cope with. Um, And there are some people who struggle with their roommates, and that's just not a reality that they're going to open up and share. Yeah, and so just the the idea of having to do your life alone, I mean, it has some positive things because you don't have to put anybody else's preferences, you don't have to think about those or put those into the equation, but you also have to come up with all the pieces of the equation on your own mm-hmm. whether or not you're getting it from other sources you're still the, the person who's collecting all the information and making the decision by yourself and it can be really hard to do that sometimes I'm like I would love to have another dot on the line because you know like in math two dots make a line and one dot can't make a line so right now I'm just a one dot and I can go in any direction and that's somewhat a type of freedom, but it's also a type of like a lot of options. Yeah, it's too many options. It's like the menu at the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> it's <laughs> so true. Big. It yeah. So like when you have two people, there's two dots, you make a line, your direction is very clear. And so that can be hard as a single person to not be able to have that other dot to kind of give you an option like a fewer options to so making choices is a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's something that is really, I think, I think personal. 
I wanted to talk a little bit about your dating history because I feel sometimes as an older person, people think like, oh, you're not trying hard enough. And honestly, I personally have never felt it in the church. I've felt it more from family, like, you know, and people, oh, you should do this. You should do that. You should, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. why aren't you doing, why, what's wrong with that guy? What's wrong? You know, it's, it's a lot of, but I've never felt that at church. I would say, unless someone wanted me to marry their son and I didn't want to date them. But, (laughs) you know, I've never. Yeah. So what's talk about your dating history and just um, to kind of paint a picture for people, maybe. How how far back do you want me to go? Like high school days or like because for me, yeah, I would go back to high school because for me, I did not go on my first date until I was 18 years old. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. In high school, I actually had a somewhat serious kind of boyfriend I mean, as serious as you get when you're in high school, because we were never like, we're getting married, you know, but we really cared about each other and we got along really well. And I have really great memories um, with him in high school. And I think that started me on a trajectory of dating is easy and it just happens because I was one of the few in high school who had that, Mm -hmm. especially because I grew up in Provo where... There are lots of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and there's a um, kind of a rule within the church that you don't date till you're 16. And so I was one of the rare exceptions who actually had like a a pretty good high school relationship. And so I I kind of went into it thinking, oh, I I mean, I, I don't even think I thought that it was easy. I think it just like felt like that's just how it is. It felt like... I didn't know any better or worse. And so then when I went into college, I, w- I just thought it was going to be the same. I thought I was going to meet people. I thought it was just going to be like dating all the time. And when I got into college, that was not the case for me. I, I don't know how many other women experience this, but I f- and if you agree or not, but this is my experience. I just think sometimes within the culture of this area, there's a lot of pressure to look a certain way, to act a certain way. And I just didn't really fit into that mold. I'm a little sassy. I'm like, I'm not super sweet. I don't know that I physically like fit into that type. I don't know what to call it. Just like, I just don't fit the cookie cutter mold that I feel like there's pressure to become here. And so I think that the dating options for me weren't as prevalent as they were for other people. First of all, I want to clarify. Did you go to BYU? Yeah, Okay, just to clarify so people know. Do you feel like you didn't date at all at BYU or what Um, did that look like? I I dated a little bit. Like, and by a little bit, I mean I went on a date here and there. What does here and there mean? Uh, Maybe like once a semester. Okay. Maybe, if that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I had, what I did have was a really great group of friends and we hung out all the time. It was like, and this is how I was in high school too. I've always been really lucky to have awesome friends. In high school, I had a really good core group of friends, a fair mix of boys and girls. And then in college, same thing. And we just hung out together and I loved them. We had a blast and I didn't really feel the need for dating. Like I didn't care that much back then. I was just like having fun. Wasn't sad that people weren't asking me out. I honestly like didn't really care. It only became after my mission when I was more in the zone of let's try to get married 
that it really started to become an issue for me because I wanted it and wasn't getting it. Whereas before I didn't care about it, so it didn't bother me that I wasn't getting it. Mm-hmm. Even now, I probably go on a date maybe twice a year. And I think that that's a fair amount of, I mean, I think there's a lot of women who are in the same category as me, mm-hmm. as far as that goes. So yeah, my um, the reason I was asking those questions is because my perspective, I grew up in uh, Los Angeles area and um, I there weren't a lot of members of my faith at all. I didn't go on my first date until I was 18. So for me, when I went to BYU, I felt like I dated a lot. And I wonder okay. if it's perspective because when you're saying like twice a year I'm like wow that's like a ton like you know really well I mean I definitely dated a lot more at BYU but it was a lot of first dates that's my experience I Mm -hmm. just went on tons of first dates with a lot of different guys but I also said yes to every guy who asked me out when I was younger yeah every guy but I do know for a fact there are people who don't date at all you know even our age and Mm -hmm. and so I do think that what you're sharing is very valid that there are certain people who aren't dating at all so how do you feel that like having these lack of dating options, especially in college, has impacted your mental health or did at the time anyway? Has it at all? Um, yes. I've had a big evolution in my approach to dating in the mental and emotional space. I think when I was younger and when I say younger, I'm going to say like 24, 25 to like a few years ago, (laughs) so span of like six to eight years, where I just believed no one was going to love me. I really believed that. And it was really hard because you want this, you want that companionship, you want to have your person, you want all of that. And when you feel like it's impossible for someone to love you, you just think, well, there's just no way that's going to happen for me. And Um, therapy has helped a lot. I'm a huge advocate of therapy. I, I've done a lot of work with myself to overcome those lies that I believed. Mm -hmm. I am totally a lovable person and there's a lot of great qualities that I could bring into a relationship. And I don't know why it hasn't happened yet for me, but I, that's not the reason. So the, the evolution is I didn't believe that I could have it. I didn't think that it would be possible for me to working through my self-esteem, my confidence, my belief in myself has now become, I don't know why, but it's not because of me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love it too, because I'm sure, and I'm sure people were telling you that all the time, you know, yeah. but I think it's a matter of us believing, we have to believe it ourselves. Yeah, there's, you could hear it every day, all day, and if it's not sinking in and coming from a place from within, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So let's kind of talk about being in this culture of family within our church. Um, Jesus Christ is the center but family is a huge component of it. We believe in the plan yeah. of salvation, the plan of happiness, and a huge part of that is having a family. Mm-hmm. So um, how have you come to terms with not being married in a family-based church? Well, I mean, when I was going to singles wards, I didn't really think about it that much. I was just like, eh, this is." I had a lot of fun, so I didn't care that much that I wasn't dating. When I had a really good group of friends, I had enough 
stuff going on with my leisure time that it was like, who cares if I'm not going on dates because I have these awesome friends and we're doing all this cool stuff. Um, It's only the times when maybe I've been doing that for two or three years and I'm realizing, oh, I'm not getting anywhere. This isn't progressing for me. This is just like fun, which is good, but you can't have fun for 20 years. You know, you Mm -hmm. have to move on and progress. And so there came a point where I would say when I was 31, so about four years ago, when I was like, it's been awesome. I've grown a lot. I have these really great friends, but I I need to like get going with life. And if marriage isn't happening, then I'm going to do something else. And so I decided to go get a master's degree and I moved to Scotland because I always wanted to go there and I thought, oh, when I get married, someday I'll go have this great adventure abroad with my husband. But then it ended up not happening. So I was like, okay, well, then I'm just going to go and do this by myself. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard, but it was such a huge growing experience. It was so amazing. Every day was hard, honestly, but there were also so many cool things about it too. It's a really hard thing to move to a different country by yourself and to start school. Mm-hmm. Like that was no easy feat, but I and grew so too. much. Yeah, culture yeah. change, figuring out all these tiny things that you take for granted when you're living in your homeland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I just, I think it's been a gradual process, but just over time, I've slowly step by step come to terms with the fact that things didn't work out how I thought they would. Mm -hmm. And there are still so many other things. I have this analogy that I use all the time. It's open and closed doors, which isn't a novel idea. But for me, it makes a lot of sense where you can pound and pound and pound on a closed locked door. You're not going to get anywhere. But if you like look around, there are a lot of other open doors that are available to you. And I've found that I'm more happy when I'm pursuing what's open than what's closed. And I've just felt, I've done my due diligence in trying to date and get married. Like I've, I've done a lot of things that just haven't like yielded any fruit really. But when I, so I think that door is closed to me, honestly. So when I turn around and stop banging on that door and I pursue other things like a career or education or developing talents, all of these things, those opportunities come. And that's how I know that that's where, I think that's where God wants me to be because when I'm pursuing that path and opportunities start coming at me, I think that's the right way to go. But when you're going down a path and it just seems like you're not getting anywhere, maybe that's not where you're supposed to be right then. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, I think it's interesting because what you shared, I don't feel like is necessarily within the church. I think oh, people, yeah. even without outside of the church, probably feel that way with yeah. just not being married and pursuing things. And the other piece of advice I just wanted to give that's helped me is you talked about, you know, pursuing education and, and having those pursuits that have really helped you to find purpose. Mm-hmm. And something that I've struggled with is I feel like, um, especially as I've been older and not married is I feel like you kind of have this checklist of things you do in life. You go to high school, you graduate, you go to college, you graduate. Mm -hmm. For me, I went on a mission for us both, right? We went on a mission, we finished it. We do all these things. We check the boxes. Mm -hmm. And then when you hit our age, when we've gone to school, when we've studied 
And I mean, for me, I've still done other pursuits. I've um, received other certifications. But my point is, for me, I think I think it's Marie Kondo. Isn't she the tidying up person? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. She says, you know, what sparks joy? And I think that we all have to find what sparks joy. And maybe that's not education for everyone. Maybe yeah, that's not totally. getting a PhD. I've thought about getting a PhD <clears throat> just so I could be called Dr. Payne. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, maybe that's, I, I really feel like that's not where I'm supposed to be right now in this yeah. point in my life. And so what are other things that can spark joy and help me to find meaning and purpose and happiness? You know? Yeah, I totally love that because I right now I'm taking singing lessons yeah. and that sparks so much joy for me. I love that. It's like an instant mood booster. And so it doesn't have to be education. It can take any form. Mm-hmm. You don't have to feel pressured to do these like, checkbox things yeah you don't have to do that but just just finding the open doors for you and everybody's doors that are open and closed look different because I have a lot of friends who did follow the formula and those were the doors that were open to them Mm -hmm. and so it's just figuring out for yourself I think sparking joy following that as like a guideline is awesome to help you figure out like what where you should take your next steps and then just like what do you want to do Mm -hmm. Try it all. Yeah. 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 The sky's the limit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Go skydiving. Just kidding. (laughs) Only if it sparks joy. (laughs) Not because you see everyone else posting pictures on Instagram. (laughs) Skydiving. Um, So are there other things maybe specific with church um, that have been hard? This next portion maybe is more specific to our church, but I feel like it's also relatable because everyone may have a culture that they're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there are some things that are cultural. Um, specific to this, to the church that we belong to, I think in two ways. One is we, and we kind of talked about this already, is that there's there's somehow a formula for how your life should go, like how you mentioned A to B to C, mm-hmm. and that's just kind of the linear way of getting through life. And I think that we learn that when we're young, and it's not out of malintent. It's just. That's what happened previous and going forward, I think life is, a, is very different than it has been for a lot of years in the past. And so the formula, go to college, get married, have kids, your kids grow up, you take care of, you know, it's this whole process, but what happens when you don't fit in? That I think is a challenge. Mm-hmm. I think that's a cultural challenge is not fitting into the formula of the life that was prescribed for mm-hmm. you. And when, when you don't go through A, B, and C, it just feels like, well, what's wrong with me? Because the majority of my friends did that. So did I like lose part of the equation along the way? Like, did I do something wrong? I didn't figure it out. And you just feel kind of like, well, what's wrong with me? Yeah. I think a lot of people feel that. I've yep. heard people say that. Yeah. I've definitely felt that way before. Yeah. And then it takes Especially a while. Especially after a breakup, you're like, what? What's wrong <laughs> yeah. with me? Yeah, and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with us. It just is sometimes life doesn't work out in the formulaic way, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. So I would say that's one of the cultural challenges. Another one is I think the way that our church is set up causes a divide because once you're 18, you're expected to go into a singles ward, and then when you quote, graduate from that singles ward by getting married, you are welcomed back into the main body of the church. And so I don't think that people meant to send this message, but the message you can get sometimes is go away, 
and only come back when you're married. <laughs> you know, like it kind of can feel that way. I just think how you don't like to be called single because it's a label. Mm-hmm. There are specific congregations that are labeled as single and you go to it purely based on your marital status. Mm-hmm. And it's just so weird that we're so defined by that yeah. because when when somebody is famous, they're not famous because they're married or famous because they're single. Like this person is just like a pro at being single and that's why they're famous. <laughs> like it's such a weird reason to be identified. Yeah. And so um, I just think that there's an, a systemic sort of divide because when you reach certain ages, you either come back or you stay or you get married and then you come back. You know, it's just like if that like really clean break didn't happen right at 18, I think that we wouldn't feel divided by single and married. Mm -hmm. And so I think the challenge is you just feel like sometimes you can feel like there's no place for you in the main body of the church because you're single. And I, I don't think that's true. And I think that's just the way the system has been formatted. But it's hard because single people feel like they don't belong and married people don't know what to do with single people if they're in their ward. And so it's just this hard balance. Yeah. Um, And so and it's interesting, too, because we talked about this a little bit previously. And I think it, it also does kind of depend on what your congregation looks like, because I've been in wards. They're called a family ward where there are a lot of people who aren't married or there are a lot of people who are divorced or there are a lot of people with different life circumstances. So it, for me, never felt like people didn't know what to do with me Mm -hmm. because it was just very different the way it looked. But I do, I mean, I, I understand, I think it's a tricky situation because I've heard someone say like, oh, well, it's, they're not for getting married, these wards. It's to help people have good peers and develop relationships with people, people who are in the same life circumstance. But I also feel like, like we've talked about, like church is a place to worship God. It doesn't have to be defined on, you know, a marital status, but I see how it can be, it can help people who are maybe struggling and want that support and, and need that. But I just know for me, the transition turning 31 and moving was very, a hard transition. And I actually had a friend who was 30. And so she knew she had one more year in the young single adult ward, And she had so much anxiety that she was considering moving to Utah for a year to be in a YSA ward so she could develop friendships with people so that when she turned 31, she would have a core group of friends Yeah, because she felt like she just didn't fit in with the older Mm mid-single ward or in a family Mm -hmm. ward. And so she was basing her her life, like big moves and career choices based on her age. I think it's a challenge. And for me, I know it's been a challenge, but our faith is kind of our faith. And I think that... Um, at the end of the day, that's our ward isn't going to really affect that. Yeah. If you're going to church, church can provide a social life for you. Mm -hmm. Yes. But if that's the only reason you're going to church, maybe reevaluate because anywhere you go, like when I was living in Edinburgh, the, the ward, there was one ward in the whole city. It was a family ward and everybody just went there and it was hard because there was very few members that were able to lead and take on responsibilities and so when I went there they gave me a ton of stuff to do because I I was able to help and so there's just single ward family ward 
being part, a member of a ward is to be there to join with other believers and to help where you can. It's not about finding a spouse. I mean, you can, you can do that there, but it, I don't think that that should be your main driver for going to church. Mm-hmm. How have yeah. you kind of like found faith as well? I don't know if you want to kind of talk about that. So within our faith, we always talk about God has a plan for you. And his plan is so much better than whatever you could come up with for yourself. And he's a loving heavenly father and he cares so much about you. And I believe that that is true. But sometimes it's really hard to believe that that is true when you want something that you know he wants for you and it's not happening. Mm -hmm. Like how does a loving heavenly father truly love me but kind of ignore my requests, you know, (laughs) or teach me that this is what you should want, but you're not going to get it, you know? So it's just like, it can be hard because you're like, is this a joke? Like, do you really love me? And is this really what you want for me to like have this life that I never expected to have and wasn't necessarily what I was looking forward to? And so It can just be a little hard to reconcile that God loves you and life is hard. Mm -hmm. Those two things can be really hard to deal with. And I know that other people in totally different circumstances from mine feel the same. It just looks different. The question, the deep question, why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah. And so that can be a really hard thing to grapple with. And one, one thing that's helped me And this is something I came to in therapy. So I'm just going to put another plug in for that. (laughs) I really believe in it. Um, Is that giving up control over things you can't control Mm -hmm. really brings a lot of freedom. Yeah. When you just like, okay, I can't control this. I've tried for a lot of years to control this and it hasn't worked. And it's just made me feel worse. Mm -hmm. So when you kind of give up that control and put your trust in someone else, something else, whatever you believe, it is freeing. The weight is lifted off of your shoulders and you're like, okay, I mean, this wasn't my plan. This wasn't what I was thinking was going to happen. But I'm just, it's in the language of our faith, it would be like submitting to the will of God Mm -hmm. and just saying, I trust you. I don't understand, but let's go, I guess. And so I've just kind of, and that's really hard to do. I resisted that a lot and I still resist it. It's Mm -hmm. a daily choice for me to live this way. Cause even some days I'll still get into this mindset of like, Oh, this is so annoying. And I wish I could change it. And why is it happening like this? I still do that. I'm not immune to it anymore, but I remember what it was like when I was pushing so hard on that closed door. Mm -hmm. It wasn't making me happy. Yeah. This, at least there are, there's more happiness to be found in the other open doors Mm -hmm. than there is to be banging on a shut one. Yeah. So I just decided, like, I just decide every day, like, this is where God wants me to be. And it's not necessarily my first choice, but I'm just going to hope that it ends up being something awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that you shared that. And I think that the banging on a closed door thing, it reminds me of just what you said about traveling to Scotland, 
to it was Scotland where you said you kind mm-hmm. of had this idea of always yeah. living in another country with your with your you know spouse and having that experience mm-hmm. and for me I think that's why I've loved to travel so much and appreciated it so much because I know I'm a romantic and the likelihood is I'm probably going to marry someone really poor. Like it's just, me, it's me. I'm like, <laughs> but very isn't much, that romantic? Right? I don't know. There's something to me about like, make, I don't know. So for me traveling and doing all these things, I'm doing them now because I don't know realistically that I'll have that opportunity mm-hmm. when I'm married. And so would you rather live your life banging on a closed door every day or pursuing opportunities you may never have yeah. when you're married? Yeah. So it just doesn't hmm. always look the way you envisioned it. Like in your brain, it was like, you're whisking off into this world with hand in hand with this guy (laughs) and it's going to be so magical. Disney ruined us. (laughs) But kind of. That's why I actually don't love (laughs) rom-coms. I (laughs) do. In this brain of like, oh, and it's just not real. Anyway. Yeah. But it's just like your dreams can come true, but they just may not come true in the way you imagined. Yeah. Yeah. People often ask, well, why do you stay in a faith that's so centered on families? Like you don't fit in, you don't belong. Yeah. For me, I've never felt that way because I believe in families. Like yeah. I still have a testimony. Well, you of still them. have a family. Yes. You're not an orphan. Exactly. <laughs> that's the thing is I believe in families. The other thing too is, you know, people are like, why don't you leave? The thing is I would be just, I don't like the word single because I feel like it's a label and I don't like taking yeah. it on as an okay. identity. So I always say not married, but you can say whatever you want. But for me, I've realized that with not being in the church, I wouldn't be married either. Like, it's not changing yeah. my marriage options. Right. And within the church, there is not just hope, but there is, like you said, putting that faith in a higher power mm-hmm. that is so freeing. And honestly, this past summer, I had the most incredible come to God moment where I mm-hmm. felt honestly individually seen by him and talked to by him. Honestly, it was an incredible experience. And that's why I stay in the church because I believe that God is really there and that he really does love us and that he really does have a plan for us. And yeah. like you said, the hard thing is accepting and yeah, letting go. Yeah, super hard. Yeah, the reason um, the reason I stay in the church, I guess I'll answer that question too, yeah. is because I don't go to church because I'm married or not married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I go to church because I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in Heavenly Father. And what does being married have to do with that? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. Married people, single people, old, poor, rich, whatever. They they all come to church, or at least I think the reason people should go to church is because they believe. Yeah. And being married or being single doesn't get in the way of believing in Christ. Yeah. So that's interesting because I know I've heard people express, but it hurts so much when the family is constantly mentioned. It hurts so much. Yeah. And so for me, my perspective on that is it actually gives me more hope, to be honest. Like when when people are like, yes, this is a part of the plan, because I do believe one day it's going to happen for all of us. And I get it though. Like I get how sometimes for me, it's funny because a lot of my feelings don't happen at church. They happen more like in my family life. Yeah. But like, I love my sister. I love my brother-in-law. I love my niece, but sometimes it makes me sad and it hurts when I see them like go to Disneyland together or go to Knott's like do something as a family. And I'm just like, Oh, I want that. Yeah. But again, that has nothing to do with the church. It's to me an eternal principle. That is a truth. And it hurts because it's, it's a real thing that we want and we don't always have what we want. And Mm -hmm. I think that's 
okay to have that desire. I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with that desire. Oh, yeah. yeah, of course the pain is real. I have felt it. I think anybody in our stage of life has felt that. <clears throat> and that's something I think you have to reconcile fairly often. Yeah. Because it is kind of in your face all the time. Um, but I think, I just think it takes developing a real relationship with God and Jesus Christ to be able to handle the pain or to manage it or understand it. Because I don't think the pain goes away because of course, if you want something and you're not getting it, the pain isn't going to go away until you get it right. But I think the personal relationship with Jesus Christ and God is what makes it makes you feel okay about it because you believe you it's real it's not like a a fake relationship it's a dialogue back and forth and you tell God like this really hurts I am not happy about this I'm sad I'm angry frustrated and you tell him that and then you let him come back to you and when you have that real relationship where you're both being genuine then the pain is at least acknowledged and you're not pretending like things are fine when they're not. Mm-hmm. You reminded me of a scripture I want to share. What you're saying about, you know, you know, being real and having those conversations with God. I think the hard times is when people are doing everything, they're checking off the list. They're they're reading their scriptures, they're going to the temple, they're praying, they're doing all, you know, going to church, they're doing all these things that they know, you know, everyone like people call them the seminary answers. Yeah, yeah. But yet they don't feel like maybe God is talking to them or mm-hmm. reaching out to them. And mm-hmm. so a story that reminds me of that a little bit is, and I've shared this before when I was on Richard Osler's podcast, but I really like this story and the scripture, so I wanted to share it. And it's about doubting Thomas. And um, he says, so when, Tom, when Christ comes, you know, it says, the other disciples therefore said unto him, we've seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see it in his hands, the print of the nails and put my finger into the prints of the nails and thrust my hand into his side I will not believe so first of all I always think it's interesting I'm like where was Thomas like you know mm. why wasn't he there and maybe he was doing something really good I don't know like <laughs> you know but I just I think that's interesting and then the next thing is he says he won't believe right until he sees it but then it says and after eight days again his disciples were within and Thomas with them. So I thought that was interesting. He said he wouldn't believe, but yet he was still with the disciples. It says he was still within. And that's when Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you, and showed himself. And I feel like that's a really good, for me, it's a really good life lesson that we have these experiences. Maybe we have these moments where we don't see the Savior. Yeah. But what do we do with that? You know, do we choose to have faith to let go and give to God? And I know we're talking a lot about faith on this mm-hmm. episode, but that's real. That's how I cope. And that's why I stay within the church. So Yeah. And I, I don't want it to be misunderstood that I am every day just like so faithful and just so <laughs> excited to do all the things, you know. I have so many days where I'm like, what is even the point? So many days where I'm like, is there a purpose for my life? Like, what's the point of me? I have those. I question myself about that all the time. But I have this underlying belief that kind of keeps me grounded. Yeah. And so it's not all like, just have faith and it'll be great. Because mm-hmm. I've definitely had my own times when I was like, God, are you? Like, what's going on? Are, yeah. Are you around? Or, And I've had, I've had my times where I've had to make the decision, am I in or am I out? Yeah. 
and I, it was a real decision. Like I thought about it and had to make that choice. And so it's not like I'm just like, have faith and you'll be great. It's, it's a choice and it's a process and there are ups and there are downs. Yeah. So I like to ask everybody who comes on, what does unity mean to you? So if you can just kind of answer, what does unity mean to you? I think unity means when no one belongs, everyone belongs. I felt that a little bit when I was living in Edinburgh. Um, I don't know if people know this, but it's actually a very international city. There's people from all over. When I was going to school there, I was one of, I think, maybe two Americans there were maybe like three Scottish people and then the the rest were from all over the world. It was very cool actually. And that translated into the ward that I was going to. It was very international as well. And I just remember thinking, this is so different from Utah. Everybody here, not everybody, but it's very homogenous here. And when it's homogenous, you would think unity, right? But really it's a matter of fitting in and not fitting in because everybody's a lot the same so there is, there is actually a way to fit in. But when everybody's different, there isn't a way to fit in. So everyone belongs. And so I think that when we are embracing diversity, that's when we find unity. I love that. So thanks so much for being on. I really yeah, appreciate it. Was it was so fun. fun. <laughs> thanks for listening to me. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, please like it on whatever platform you're listening to. Remember that it's okay to disagree. Unity comes when we can agree to disagree while still maintaining a love for one another. For more on unity, follow us on Instagram at finding.unity or on Twitter at finding underscore unity.